Welcome to the Public Safety Technology Podcast. This is your host, Dan Wright, and I thank you for joining us. Today, we talk with Jason Klink from the Mason Group. This podcast was born out of a social media post of a news article blaming mental health for 911 staffing issues. I hope you enjoy our conversation, pick up some tips, and most of all, gain value from our discussion. Let's get to it. Hello, everybody. It's Dan with uh, Public Safety Technology Podcast. Today, we have with us Jason Plink from the Mason Group, and uh, we'd like to welcome Jason to the show, and we're looking forward to a fun, packed show with uh, lots of talk of things that are probably going to make some uncomfortable because we're going to talk about the word consolidation. Jason, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. If you will, Jason, tell us a little bit about yourself and introduce our uh, audience to what you do, your background. Just uh, tell us how you got to where you are. You got it. So like Dan said, my name is Jason Clank. I have been involved working in, uh, dove into public safety for the better part of 25 years. Uh, I started in the volunteer fire service, uh, the volunteer fire department I was, uh, I was in, in New York, uh, upstate New York. I was, I, Ran up through the line, became fire chief in 2005, was fire chief in 2005 and 2006. Um, I've been in EMS. I've worked in that for too long. <laughs> um, and I also had a career in 911 and emergency communications uh, that I started in 2000 and recently stepped away from this year. Um, I created my consulting group, the Mason Group, last year, trying to leveraged the last 20 years of my life and I figured consulting public safety and government agencies was a natural fit. Uh, but in the meantime, I am currently working as an account manager for Informer Systems and Schedule Express. So I do both, both, uh, both hands are working, I guess you could say, and I stay pretty busy and uh, that's kind of pretty much what I'm doing in a nutshell. Fantastic, fantastic. It seems like we've got some uh, similar inroads there, starting a volunteer fire service, EMS, fire service, uh, 911. So that's mm -hmm. uh, interesting. I think we'll have a, a lot to talk about and a lot to uh, correlate and relate to. Absolutely. So we're, we're, so we're going to dive right in. Uh, me and Jason have been talking for several months, had several conversations offline, and uh, we have a lot of uh, the similar ideas and uh, concerns about public safety and where it's headed in the future. But uh, one thing that kind of sparked this uh, particular podcast was a, the current state of staffing in 911 centers across the country. You can't get online if you're in this industry and search this type of news without reading an article tied to a staffing crisis in 911 centers across the nation. And the headlines are all dramatic and reading about delayed 911 responses, uh, mental health issues. And so let me preface this whole conversation with saying, and I know Jason shares these same thoughts, is that mental health and public safety is a real issue. We have entirely too many because we have one a year uh, people taking their own lives in this business, and we've got to do a better job of mental health and public safety. 
so it's real. I acknowledge that it's real. And anything said in this conversation is not to diminish the fact that that is real. Uh, so to carry on with the conversation, Jason, uh, you recently shared an article that uh, I don't know if it just caught me at the wrong time of day or the wrong day or what I even had going on that day. But Fired you, <laughs> you right shared an, uh, Yeah, you shared an article and uh, it pointed out the uh, the staffing crisis in 911 due to mental health. And uh, to summarize my entire rant I went on, uh, basically called out the quote unquote understaffed PSAPs in America and uh, asked them if they were hiring the right people, if management was supporting those people that they were hiring, if they were enabling their employees to do their jobs, if they were putting them in boxes and then discipline them for getting people help but stepping outside the box. And then uh, this article read or this comment, and then I reshared it as a post on my page, uh, obviously resonated with a lot of people. I've gotten a lot of feedback off of this one uh, LinkedIn post and comment. Uh, I ended the statement with uh, that I will go out on a limb and I will say that I believe that improper management leads to more mental health issues in the PSAP than 911 calls do. Jason, what's your thoughts on that? Well, let's put it in context a little bit. I'm sure you and I come from the same generation of when we started in this business and you saw something bad, it was suck it up and deal. Deal with it on your own and move along and keep doing your job. And now with call volumes that are increasing everywhere, um, with the lack of staff there is in many places, it, it doesn't give people enough time to breathe. And just because you have an employee that takes a bad call, if you're in an 911 center and they take a bad call and you give them five minutes to collect themselves, they're still expected to come back to work. Right. Um, and, and to keep it in, in more context, I look at people that I worked with for 20 years and in New York state, you have for a 911 employee, you have to have 30 years and 55 years of age to retire. That's too long. And you get folks that are at, maybe they're at 25 years or they're at 27 years and they're just trying to get, they want that max retirement. So they're trying to get to that 30, but they're tired. They're tired of coming to work. They're tired of doing, they love the job. They're tired of doing the job. So what does that say of what we're doing to manage our employees and, and managing our professionals? Uh, even the, the center that I came from, mental health is a, is a conversation, but it's not a, I don't think it's even on the radar for the administration to address on a regular basis. Yeah, I, th that's where, uh, that we're missing the mark, I think, Jason. Uh, again, mental health is a real issue. I uh, don't discount that at all. Uh, it, it's got to be more than the conversation. It's got to be uh, management making – well, let me rephrase that. It's got to be management highly encouraging their staff to take advantage of those resources available. And I can yeah. just speak from, from my personal experience uh, and, and the way we try to do things and, and not that our mental health program could, could – use some uh, better 
sharpen it up and, and be better. But for instance, if we have a, a, a high stress event, uh, you know, let's just say a, a potential life changing event for a dispatcher, they're call taken. Uh, you know, we, we don't give them a choice to come back to work. They go home mm-hmm. and they, they may go home for several shifts, several days, and we're going to have a conversation with them. We're going to be in communication with them. We're going to offer them all the resources that we have at our disposal. Uh, and we just, as an agency, we suck it up and we pay the overtime and everybody takes care of everybody. Uh, but I think that goes back to one of my original points was, is what kind of culture are we creating? Right. Because if we don't create a culture where every employee wants to help take care of the other employees, then nobody's willing to work that extra shift to take care of that one employee because they don't think in the future that it may be them who needs that time off. Yeah, no, and I agree with that. And I, and cultures, culture in any organization, it makes or breaks the organization. And you can have, you know, peer support groups, even, even the center I came from, it was a very, for the most part, a tight knit group on every shift. We had peer support. We had the ability to get human resource access to different resources if you needed it. But I almost think that it needs to be taken a step further. I, I think that anybody in public safety, 911 or, or otherwise, police fire EMS, they should have regular access to counselors and um, psychological professionals to be able to, when there is, even if it's not the, the big one and it's not the big incident or the most stressful incident, but maybe it's day after day of stronger incidents, day after day, shift after shift. And now you get somebody that's really feeling like, man, this is starting to bug me. You know, give them the option to have access to those kind of resources to, to clear their head, to get centered and be able to go back to work. I think that that provides better for the longevity of the employee. Right. Can't argue with any of that for sure. So on, on that note of uh, mental health and, and taking care of the employees, uh, what are your thoughts on some things that we can do as uh, public safety to, and, and we'll just stick with 911 because we start talking public safety, that's very broad. Let's just stick with 911. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the recruitment world, what, what can we do? How, how can we be better from your side, your perspective? I've got my ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, how can we recruit better? How can we prepare the potential employee better for what they may experience? Yeah, you know, that's that, that's tricky. In this day and age where um, being an entrepreneur, being in business, being in tech are more lucrative than a government job, it's more lucrative than the, the good old-fashioned state retirement system. You know, how do, how do we get people interested in, in doing a job of service like that on, in a long-term basis? And I think that, you know, embracing embracing technology, embracing social media, you know, getting, getting to the, the folks that are maybe have already started to dabble in, in, in the public to get them interested in a career in 911. Um, I, I think that the resting on your, uh, for an agency to rest on their laurels and think that, you know, they're going to put out a civil service exam and they'll, they'll post a civil service exam. Maybe they'll, they'll post it on the, the county website or the government website and hope that people are just going to sign up. That's just not going to fill the seats anymore. 
and, and I've seen it in many places where, you know, used to get thousands to turn out for the civil service exam, where now you may get hundreds instead of the thousands. So to build on what you just said, uh, you know, I, I run a 911 PSAP in a small county, population of about 45,000. We tried the job boards, we tried the traditional newspaper ads, and nothing, very few mm -hmm. applicants. Mm -hmm. we pivoted and the only place that we now advertise for job openings is Facebook. We do not, I say we advertise, we it is organic reach on Facebook. And for the last job opening that we had, we had one position open and we received over 300 applicants. Wow through Facebook alone. And that's where everybody's eyeballs are at. You know, people check Facebook thousands of times a day. Yep. Um, so to not take advantage of that is, is silly. And, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of agencies, a lot of peace apps out there that just don't embrace social media. You know, it's all, it's all, some places it's against the rules to even interact with social media on behalf of the, of the, of the peace app. So, you know, you're isolating your potential uh, employee pool if you're not getting your job posting in front of as many eyeballs as possible. If you can't use your own employees to recruit for your center, then right. what does that say about your agency? Yeah, absolutely. If you can't and, encourage your employees to talk about – now, obviously, there's rules. You can't share information that you can't share. But if you can't get your employees to talk about where they work and that they enjoy it and they love going to work and they love what they do, I mean, that's your best recruitment tool you have. Right. Right. No, uh, 100%. And, uh, you know, on, on the flip side of things, you know, the whole job classification federally, which if they don't change that, there's many states that aren't going to change theirs. And if we don't get – 911 professionals in a police and fire retirement system, especially here in New York. Um, you know, how do you tell a 25-year-old person that, oh, by the way, you probably are going to have to work till you're 62 to get full benefits now. Um, so enjoy your 40-year career. It's too long, you know. And most most of the the younger people are using, in my experience a lot of the younger people use 911 for a stepping stone to a you know paid fire job a paid police job and so on yeah we, we face the same issues with with uh stepping stones and with uh, a pension also and uh we've i agree we, we've got to change that uh there will never be never ever be a day where somebody can spend a 40-year career behind the headset and, right. and do this job and, and what, what we're going to see is uh you know, in my opinion, uh, that especially as the economy continues to do well, and this is not an economic podcast by any means, and I don't pretend to know much about the economy other than I enjoy when it does well. Uh, you know, we're, we're our, our cream of the crop, so to say, will continue to be picked by the uh, private industry partners we have because they're going to see their potential and they can offer them a substantial better salary and probably better working conditions. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And if you look at it, even just in, in my area, in the center I came from, we got a very good salary with very good benefits. Um, 
you know, outside of the long retirement. But even if you go a county on either side of my county, they are their dispatchers are getting paid probably, if I remember right, ten to fifteen thousand dollars less per year. And they're in the same part of New York State, but they don't have the tax base. They got a more rural tax base. So you got a more rural tax base. They're not making the, these folks are not making the same money as their counterparts one county over. You know, how do you expect them to stick around and not go to that county that's going to pay them more? So well, I think that leads right, right into, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. We'll, yeah, we'll and I was going to say, which leads right into that big voodoo word you started out with is consolidation. Yep. Um, it, so, so is that, is that a, uh, somewhat of a magic wand for 911 consolidation? Do we, if we combine our resources, what can we offer our employees? I, in, in my opinion, in my experience, I think if you look at it and, you know, there's, there's consortiums and regionalization in different parts of this country that are working. Um, I, I believe there's quite a few in Texas, if I, if I remember right. Um, but if you're taking a tax base or taxpayer pool and, and you're combining three, four, five counties and that taxpayer pool and combining those monies and, and spreading it evenly amongst, you know, um, the agencies that, that are involved and you start, you know, downsizing and consolidating and regionalizing, you know, I, I think that provides equal you're, 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 you're creating equilibrium that may not be known unless you do do that. Right. You know, there, there are many PSAPs. Uh, and, and for those that don't know, PSAP is a public safety answering point, which is where 911 calls are taken. There are many PSAPs across this country, Jason, that have one person there. One you, person. Do you, oh yeah. And I, and, and I, there's the counties on either side of me, they, they work with two people each. You know, two people to, to, to dispatch for their entire counties. I even saw a post today. Um, I, I can't remember where it was, but I saw a post today that somebody was looking to, they were looking to upgrade to CAD because they were still in 2019 going into 2020, still using pen and paper to, to manage their calls. Oh, yeah, I can, I can name, uh, I won't call them out here, but uh, I, I can tell you five off the top of my head, head that I know of. It's just, it blows my mind that within the same state or within the same region, you've got, you know, a, a bigger, you know, a bigger population or a bigger metropolis, for lack of better words, that are, are have the ability or have the access to everything they need to do the job. And you may be within the, you may go 20 miles in the same region, but they don't. And they're still struggling to get people and they're still struggling to do the job, How, you know. The organizational models need to change. If you're if your PSAP, your public safety agency is trying to run your agency with an organizational model that was started 25 or 30 years ago, you need to take a reading because that's not working today. I agree. I agree. You know, so we talk about consolidation, and then, so then we can break actually break that down into two levels of consolidation. We can talk about. Uh, technology or equipment slash hardware consolidation and then physical consolidation. So what are you, what, let's, let's take each of those and dissect them real quick, Jason, and, and tell me what you think about uh, each of those. Uh, let's start with uh, the technology side because that's easier than we can get the physical consolidation. Yeah. You know, 
I think that it's on a logistical end of things. I think it's easier for administrations to regionalize or consolidate software and hardware um, because you're not dealing with every aspect that comes with an employee. So when you start regionalizing or consolidating centers that now you have to put together staffs that normally don't work with each other, um, that's, that's a whole different larger logistical um, plan that you have to put in place. So case in point, you know, my area, we have a five county region and within, you know, where I'm at in central New York, we have one radio system. That's, it's, uh, you know, everybody's now on the same UHF trunking system. So, but if you go back just 10 years ago, everybody was using their own individual radio systems and had to fork out the money to, to purchase hardware, to do the upkeep, to do the maintenance, to do the upgrades. Now with the one, everybody just puts into the same pool of money to keep that maintenance and upgrading and everything um, that's needed so everybody can use the one system. So I think, I think it comes down to, obviously it comes down to logistics, but it also, as with everything in public safety, it comes to the, the almighty dollar. So. Yeah. And you know, I, you, you, you made a valid point because we're going through the same transition here in Alabama uh, with a, a regional, uh, almost a statewide radio system. Well, I guess it is really a statewide radio system. Uh, so maybe, you know, this whole consolidation effort is uh, just a, a migration path to where, you know, once we're all on the same radio systems uh, here in Alabama, the state 911 board recently had an RFP uh, and got responses for a hosted uh, CPE. That's the 911 phone system mm -hmm. for hosted CPE. So uh, once that is, you know, finalized, we Alabama will have the ability to uh, have hosted CPE. So, you know, there, there could be sites four or five counties away from me, the next county that could all be using the same CPE from the same hosted. So uh, and with, now with Alabama's EziNet, uh, you know, we can, we can do a lot of things with technology now that we couldn't do just two to three years ago. Right. And I believe that uh, PSAP managers, uh, county governments, local governments are really going to have to take a step back. And we, it all becomes a big pot of soup or a, a food analogy, because I like food, <laughs> Don't uh, we all? That, that we've all got to look at and say, okay, we see the radio systems are working. We see the phone systems are working. We see that the mapping systems are working mm -hmm. that, are, that are consolidated, that go back to one central repository, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so maybe we need to start looking at consolidating physical locations right and here's so how does how does that play out well here's the other caveat with that too and i don't know about alabama but in new york state the 911 uh, phone tax cell phone tax the 911 money that's supposed to come from the every you know the individual cell phone bills it, our state hoards they don't give the entire amount that the 911 centers that should be using to operate through that 911 tax, you know, they just keep it, New York State keeps it in a pot of money and gives you what they think you need, not what well, the, the... I will, 
let me stop you there and say I will say and uh, Alabama does a tremendous job. There have been some amazing nine one one leaders in Alabama in the past that have protected nine one one, and we have a we have a state nine one one board, and the the local districts through their uh, monthly distribution, and through training and uh, management, they I I, I believe and I wholeheartedly feel that. Alabama 911 get all of the money that they deserve to get. And that that's awesome, you know, and that's the way it should be. You know, so if if we're uh if you're looking at now like I said, I, I go back to logistics. You're looking at uh, combining centers, you're looking at consolidating centers, consolidating staffs, putting people together. Um, getting everybody on the same sheet of music, but now you're 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 consolidating salaries and you're consolidating retirements and benefits and you know the management thereof in you know and how do you break that down into an organizational structure to make sure that um, you know you've got the right leadership and administration that's involved in this? I, I'm not you know I'm not trying to point out the negative. I think that it you know it needs to be done. And it's going to require the right plan and the out of the box thinking to get stuff like that done. Because again, a lot of people are still resting on the organizational models of 20 or 25 years ago and not looking at what they should be. You know, I, I go, I go back to a lot of your social media, a lot of your social media posts, Dan, and you're always pointing out, you know, the, the technology disruptions and how do, you know, that, that, 911 agencies or public safety agencies need to embrace these technologies because they're not going away and they're only going to get bigger. Um, that same out of the box thinking needs to be done on the organizational end um, to start managing um, 911 staffs to make them successful going into the next decade and beyond. Right. And, you know, I, so I, I go back to you and, and, I have some crazy ideas and, and you know, I, I love being told that that idea is crazy because it means I'm on the right path. Yep. But you know, I, I have this vision of, uh, and then these are some, these are some voodoo words, but I have this vision, you know, let's just say you got this one seat piece app uh, or say you got four or five of them and they don't have to even be close to each other. But if you had a piece app that could add one or two staff and take, because you know, these piece apps are low volume piece apps. If you had the ability to route those calls to a PSAP that could absorb them, and then you you give a better nine one one service because I know we 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 tie dispatch and we tie all these other auxiliary things that a nine one one center does, but we have to keep in mind at the end of the day, our primary responsibility is to answer that nine one one call, or as we move forward, answer that nine one one activation, and provide the service to the nine one one caller. After that happens, it's up to the local people to provide dispatchers. But if we could get that 911 activation in, and through using technology, we can push them the CAD event, we can push them the Annie Alley, we can push them everything, mm-hmm. and then they can they can dispatch the call from wherever they want to dispatch it from. So hey. I think when we talk about consolidation, everybody screams. Well, my dispatchers have got to know where the big oak tree is by the McDonald's. Well, you can keep that. That's fine. But it, we, we've got to remember that 911 is about 911. 
Right. Once that 911 call is processed, that becomes dispatch. And that's different things. We're all providing a service to the community. And 911 is the, the number one start of providing that service to that community. And here's, here's a, a, another thought for you. How far away are communities from having their, their 911 center being outsourced? Uh, you know, how far away mm. governments outsourcing that particular set of jobs because it's more cost efficient and you get, uh, go ahead. well, what I'm going to say is you, you, maybe, you know, we start getting these groups that are created, these businesses that are created, that their niche is going to be 911 emergency communications. And they go to a, already, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, I'm sorry. It, it, no, that's fine. They go to a municipality and say, hey, you know, you're, you're spending these millions of dollars or whatever it might be, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year on emergency communications, but we can do it for this amount. You know? So I'm going to touch on two topics. Uh, number one, there's, I, I wasn't prepared for this, for it to go this way, but there's already a group in Georgia that is a private group doing that. I and think I, we are three to five years away from seeing that become, I don't know if it will come accepted, but it's going to become a more hot topic. Yeah. And then I'm going to really push the envelope with this. How long before Google and Apple and Amazon get into the 911 business? Right. Yep. And I don't, and I don't think people are very, you know, people in the business, people in our business, they don't think, a majority don't think that's a possibility. A majority don't think that that'll happen in their lifetime and maybe, maybe not. But if you think of all the other technology disruptors and where these big data companies, because that's what Amazon and Google are, are data companies, and they see, you know, an avenue in public safety and where they can disrupt it. I don't think that, that 911 or any other public safety or is, is, uh, public safety agency is immune to that. No, and you know the the and I, now let me let me say it. I think there will always be some type of human element in nine one one. Yes, I just I just don't think it's going to sit where it sits today. No, it, and it, the everybody says, well, let's just use Alexa. That's the common, the most common thing, and Alexa can't process a call. I, and my my rebuttal to that is. If you use EMD, emergency medical dispatch, you are using an algorithm to process that call. Yep. Today, that can be put into any voice activated device. Mm-hmm. And there's already technology out there for, you know, automated dispatch and, and stuff like that. I think that it's a very... <laughs> You think about where it could go, and it, like you said, there, there'll be human involvement, but um, the technology is already there. The big data is already there to <clears throat> support a change. And for, for I, I've even said it in uh, you know, the, the fire service with the technology and, and interrupting that, um, you know, you could have buildings putting their own fires out in the future and not needing fire departments. Um, I think that for agencies to pretend things aren't going to happen and stick their heads in the sand, so to say, 
um, is quicker is how much quicker their demise is going to be. You know, I think law enforcement dispatch will always have a seat at the table, so mm-hmm. to speak, because it's so much. It, all of it, all of emergency services dynamic, but law enforcement yeah. dispatch is so much more dynamic than say fire EMS. Right. But uh, you know, just just to touch on what you just said about a building putting its own fire out, you know, we somebody said this hasn't put all this together, but today we could do without fire dispatchers if if a building had smart cameras and smart alarms that would mm-hmm. send mm-hmm. those alerts based on smoke in a building. I mean, that alert could be sent directly to the closest available response unit or the, the, the box alarm and video fed to them, all the data fed to them. Where does, you don't need a dispatcher for that. No, and I think it's, if I remember right, Chula Vista, California, uh, on the dispatch of, uh, of a working fire or a major event, police fire or EMS, they launch a drone from the public safety building where their 911 center is and, and they, somebody there is, is monitoring the video feed. Yep. You know, we're, that, we're definitely not far away from that. That's, that's, we may have to do the episode, another episode on that because that's a uh, <laughs> definitely a, a, a quickly emerging trend that will probably be within two to three years that will be widespread. Right. I, I think that we, we've touched on a lot of different topics and subjects with this. I think that um, and really it's just the beginning of a lot of different conversations that could go in many different directions. And it's, some of them are difficult conversations and, and won't be wide, widely accepted. I agree. I agree. Well, Jason, uh, we went over our time a little bit, but it's, it's been a, a fun and exciting conversation. I believe we could talk about hours, so we'll definitely have to, uh, schedule another episode. So, uh, as we uh, get ready to wrap this up, I just want to thank you for taking your time out to, uh, be our guest. And, uh, actually you are our first guest, uh, as, a as me hosting a guest on the podcast. So, uh, thank you for that. And congratulations. Uh, you get no prize. <laughs> hey, listen, so, I, I appreciate the opportunity to come in and have this great conversation with you. You know, um, first, last, and otherwise, I think that, you know, we have, um, we have information to share and, and, uh, you know, like I said, I appreciate the opportunity. Yes, sir. And if you, if you will take, take a few moments and tell everybody, uh, again, what you do to remind them and where they can find you. So, uh, yeah, I, I have my consulting group called the Mason Group, and we're online at themasongroup.com. I also do uh, uh, scheduling sales for scheduling systems for public safety company through uh, Schedule Express and Informer Systems. Uh, I am on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook, Instagram. Um, so any of those three, uh, you can you can find me. I share a ton of information on all three. Um, and, you know, feel free to email me, jason at themasongroup.com. Fantastic. Jason, thank you again, my friend. I hope that you have a a great day and a happy holiday season as we're recording this just a mere eight days from Christmas. Merry Christmas, my friend. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening. Please, please be sure and subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoyed our content, please share it with your friends. Everyone take care and stay safe.